Welcome to the Mega Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Jason McDonald. My goal is to get to the truth through conversation. The Mega Blast Podcast is produced by Arts and Opinion, an online journal housed at the Archives of Canada. Visit us at artsandopinion.com. I hope you enjoy today's guest. Welcome, Christian Gravener. How are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. What about yourself? Not bad. Not bad. So welcome back. This is the third time you have you hold the record. I feel honored. I'm very, very, very touched. Yeah. No, that's so. There's a couple of things I want to mention before we get into it. Um, you're the most. You have the most visits on the Mega Blast podcast, followed by Martin Deck, who I recently did a second podcast with. All my life, I've been fighting that Martin Deck. I've always <laughs> wanted to, to, to defeat him. This is a big uh, triumph for me. Well, you better. You're going to have to keep at it because he's coming back. We, we, we did a podcast the other day about Tintin. Are you a fan of Tintin? I was as a child. Okay, so that's that's up if you want to listen to it. Um, and anybody listening, I'm partly doing a plug here. Uh, and he's going to come back because we did it in two parts. We're looking at the sort of germination, you know, the sort of rise of fascism in Europe as how it connects, and then we're going to do the later post World War II. So, so you're at, you're in competition with Martin Deck of well, Windsor, Ontario. I did my master's degree on the rise of fascism in Europe, by the way. So I'm going to listen to Martin and whatever his name is, and he's going to he's going to hear from me after <laughs> okay. afterwards. All right, look forward to it. Um, so it's funny because um, I there's a sort of an an idea that, that I had that I told you about that we would do this on a sort of a regular basis, right? So we would, the idea would be to talk about uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, because those things are like we are those things. Sure. Uh, so this is the first of that. Yes. Let's good. Put it that way, good. right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's Abbott and Costello. Or I don't know who I don't know who's who. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the fat one? So I'm Costello. <laughs> you're, you're the one with the good voice, <laughs> right? Right. And, but a, a better comparison. You know, Glenn Lowry and John McWhorter. No, the black the black guys at Blogging Heads. That they're, they're Glenn Lowry's an economist. John McWhorter's a linguist, and they do. They've been doing these biweekly conversations for over ten years. Oh my. And John Glenn Lowry's very interesting. He. He was uh, he was a sort of very conservative with the Reagan Revolution and it being black that was a kind of a hip thing in those days and then he got he he had a downfall and a crack scandal at no. one point yeah it's an amazing story yeah. and then he kind of got out of that but he's a brilliant thinker I mean, incredibly amazing articulate and an economist too I love the way economists think we talked about this on the last podcast just the, so that's a nicer comparison okay. Glenn Lowry okay. and uh, John McWhorter. But to begin, we want to devote this episode to the uh, the election. So I thought maybe we could open. You put up a video on TikTok about an arrest of a man in the Laurentians for putting up a, a, a it looks like a tweet. It's yes, shocking. incredible story. It's it, Somebody wrote me, wrote me uh, on Facebook saying, oh, well, you should look into this. And there was a story up, I believe, on CTV Montreal or one of those sites, basically a very a bare bones story article about a guy, uh, a, a, a provincial uh, MNA, a, a minute, member of uh, the uh, CAQ party, the Quebec City region, I can't remember his name, but he uh, res he objected because he saw his likeness on Twitter with a uh, uh, some blood dripping down uh, from the top. So what was interesting was that the person who posted this 
presumably objected to the fact that he, as a CAQ member, uh, rejected the um, call to, for an inquiry into the many deaths in the old age homes, which is a big deal for a lot of people in Quebec. They, people want a uh, public investigation into this whole thing. Why did so many people die of, at the COVID thing at the start? You know, the uh, the West Island Heron uh, Dorval home and all that stuff and many other places. So uh, a lot of people have a uh, a burr in their bonnet about this particular thing. So they're not happy. So this is this is why this guy whoever it was, posted this image of the guy with, you know, fake blood coming down, which would, to me, it would simply imply that he's got blood in his hands. So the the Sylvain. candidate, who's already a sitting member of... Uh, is it Sylvain Gagnon? Is that the guy's name? Uh, you, you, right? you, yeah, it could. I believe it's Sylvain something. Sylvain, yeah. That's so the candidate's name from the Quebec City he, region. He's a fairly yeah. innocuous, not, you know, sort of a roly-poly guy. You never really notice a fairly innocuous character. So he's he's got this seat, which is actually a swing ride and goes back and forth various parties. So uh, who knows? Maybe feeling a bit insecure, although he, obviously he shouldn't because the CAQ has a massive lead in this election. So, uh, it, you know, there had been a couple of cases in the past of... Uh, candidates and uh, politicians in Quebec saying that they were threatened by people. And this seems to be a great strategy to get uh, uh, get uh, sympathy. Like if you do something egregiously wrong, I believe, for example, Nazem Kadri, the hockey player, he freaking almost decapitated somebody in a game during the playoffs. And instead of everybody being mad at him, he said, oh, somebody wrote a mean tweet about me. And suddenly... Nazem Kadri is the victim, whereas he, was, of course, was the perpetrator. So it's, you know, uh, pulling the victim card on Internet abuse is a real winning thing. You know, this so this candidate out of the blue actually phoned the uh, pro provincial police and said, hey, I'm a victim of threat. I guess he he thought it was a death, crime or a death, death threat, threat or something that, like that. Yeah, right. And then it was entirely incoherent what happened next, which is the government arrested him, the police arrested him. And prosecutors brought him in, and according to the article I read, once, once again, I didn't do any further research. I just reported what I, I saw others reporting, uh, and nobody else seemed to think it was a big deal, but I do. Uh, I they, do too, just that's why I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out here. They, yeah. they, they, brought, they brought him in, I guess they put him in a jail cell, and they told him, we're going to decide what we're going to charge you in a yeah. few weeks. Which to me, I don't really understand. I'm not a lawyer, but I mean, that to me, that doesn't make any sense at all. You got to know, isn't it part of habeas corpus or something that they're charging you with what? Like, what? what's the deal? So it seems to me, uh, even if they don't even end up charging him, they're kind of like putting the fear of God into people for criticizing uh, their MNAs or elected representatives who I think it should be. It should be known. And it should be underlined happened. the fact that yeah. these MNAs did absolutely zero. All we were we were ruled by decree for two freaking years, which is Francois Legault and a couple of people were telling were deciding everything in our lives, including like drastic measures like the uh, uh, the, the curfew. curfew. Oh my yeah. God! Don't get me started on the curfew. So what we had is a situation where it was basically a, dic a, a dictatorship, and we were unopposed by the opposition parties, which is so strange. Unbelievable. He, every ten days, François Legault reaffirmed, you know, re whatever, just redid yeah. the 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 emergency. Yeah, he status. renewed. I think renewed. once every yeah. week for two hundred straight weeks, yeah. or even more. I'm not it's even sure. It's astonishing. It's I mean, the first crazy. the first period. I mean, just to be to try not to be too partisan about this. I think reasonable people could understand in 2020, 
at least for a certain amount of time during, during 2020, why that might have had to happen. You got into 2021, it was still going on. You and I got together for a meeting with some friends in June, and I was informed there we were downtown by Christian Boutin, who's a, sure. who ran for the for the for the P, uh, PPC, that the state of emergency was still ongoing. You know, and I'm not sure. Maybe it is yeah. now. I, I don't know. Like I, I thought, that's that's just insane. But just to return to this um, this case, because yeah. this case is really interesting. So we don't know what the man has been charged with. That uh, it's be, presumably right? like a, a death sort threat. Sort of a death thing, threat. Because they can't really. Right. But uh, once okay. again, I don't even know. It's probably around in a couple of days they were going to decide that or he's got okay. to appear in court. Will they even charge him? I don't know. Or Is and, he, you know, he was put into a cell for a period of time. I don't know. They didn't identify know. him. Yeah. He was from a town uh, about 90 minutes north of Montreal. And the other weird thing about this, the other strange element was that the uh, Sûreté de Quebec Provincial Police, they, he was quoted as saying, it's it's against the law to deface a political sign, which I mean, this is a, this is a case of somebody going on. It's a meme. It's, it's a yeah, meme. It's, a it's meme. not a sign. <laughs> that, that was the thing on your video. It's like they couldn't deface the sign. It was someone had taken Photoshop to to a picture of a sign and spread it around. So to me, that's absolutely incoherent. Weird. Like yeah. if I was a journalist and somebody told me that on the phone, I'm like, "What are you even talking about?" But as you know, the, the journalists who wrote this story, I believe CTV. Uh, they just wrote it down, and I guess they had some other task to do. Cut and paste. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get this. It doesn't make sense to me. So, I mean, as a reader, uh, as a writer. Like, You're I actually, a writer. Yeah, you are. In fact, I actually wrote for CTV uh, Montreal site for many years, for five, seven years or something like that. And so I know exactly how those things work. And it's like... I don't want to be blown uh, toot my own horn here, but of course, if I was well, on the you phone, are an experienced journalist and writer. If I'm on the yeah, phone, I'd be like, know, "What are you talking about? Uh, why are you saying that the uh, sign was defaced? Where's the sign?" Anyway, right. it's just, they just wrote it down and moved on to their next thing, and it's like so. So part of the part of the, it sounds like you're from what you're telling me now. That's different from what I understood from the TikTok video. Is that part of the problem is the media not doing a good enough job? But that, I mean, that's just standard. Senses, that, I mean, that's, has become standard. It's just so. Right? It's to be expected yeah. at this point. Because that's yeah. mysterious. If they said a sign was defaced, okay. So I mean, no the media so landscape. That's, that's, I mean, yeah. I don't have to go, go down this whole uh, rabbit hole. But obviously, the fact is, there's no money in journalism anymore. So it's like they got to ch chase whatever they can. The government's going to give them a few nickels and dimes. That's fine. And of course, as a journalist yourself, you know, you're doing it very half-heartedly. Like, what can I can I find a better career? It's like this is this is just a short-term thing. Whereas back, at, you know, when I was doing it, it was a noble noble profession. It was something that you're so proud to do. See your name on the article, and it was like people were reading it. So nowadays, you know, it's the whole thing is so is yeah. sh shambolic. It's, it's falling apart. Just to stick a little bit on the journalism, don't you think there's still a kind of a nobility just to searching for the truth? I mean, that's the yeah, byline sure. of this podcast is to get to the Absolutely. truth. So, like, I. I think we like we should not just because many journalists seem to that seems to be a second order concern for many journalists for what you say. Okay, right? Or or is it a, like I'm trying to understand why they're not doing that? It could be they're rushing to the next story. It could be they don't really know what they're doing. They don't know how to do Excellent. journalism. Like I really I don't know. From what you're saying, it right. sounds obscure to me. It could okay, be, that's a that's a, yeah. something I've wondered about as well. When I was at yeah. CTV, we, we were in a situation where uh, it was wild, wild west. It was fairly new. We were uh, 
we were just throwing up any articles and the guy, they would trust us. And if it was, uh, there was a mistake, you'd kind of just go back and edit it, right? I worked for CTV for a while and I'm sorry, CBC for a while after CTV, but it was a little bit more guarded. People would be vetting your story and it was a little, it was less fun to do it like that because it was just too, too much bureaucracy. And uh, what I'm seeing, uh, of course, is uh, you're asking how does the management sort of direct the narrative that is the question right so you would have like um a, a, an exec what do you call it a, a meeting right you, all the people would sit around the table at ctv it was when it was barry barry wilson and the reporters whoever was there at the time and i would sit there too whoever was this was, a regular event like once be, a week yeah, once, once a day about 11 a.m every day and they would right, decide okay. what stories they were going to do and that sort of thing and and of course it sounds um, like in the movies like johnson get out there yeah. get down to the train station to see so is it sort of like that these movies when you see a movie with journalists it's they're always fake because these these <laughs> newspapers have like a hundred people in them a real newspaper place or a real uh, media place only has like you know a couple Damn. of yeah, yeah, just a handful right, right. of people. Okay. So. Anyway, so it's not quite like in the movies. But anyway, so they sit down there at 11 a.m. and they basically look at what's coming down the newswire that Yeah, day. and if somebody has an insight, like they say, oh, this guy's a fraud, don't trust what he says or whatever, you know, that, that kind of thing. You, you could, could chirp that in, but mostly people are trying to be like, you know, uh, they're not, you know, I'm you don't not, want to disturb the. I'll like, shoot my mouth off, no problem. But other people, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're being very polite and stuff, and just sort of like won't say anything at the meeting. And the boss will will say, "This is this is what's happening." So um, mm. that to me is not a very good direct way to control the message. So I don't know exactly. I'll give you another example. Mm. Just recently, yeah. I was called up at the CBC to be an analyst uh, for a story. Right, so they were. They were going to call me and I was going to answer questions about this Quebec story. Somebody from Winnipeg and Halifax and St. John's, New Brunswick, so, or St. John's, Newfoundland, was going to call me and I was going to talk about this Quebec story. It was all very last minute and I happened to know a little bit about it. So I, uh, they gave me like 300 bucks to do a four or five interview. So, uh, the thing was the way that it worked, they, they, the, the intermediary, I believe was some sort of freelancer said, uh, what are, what are your answers going to be to these questions I've written? So I told her, and I guess they were acceptable. And I could say whatever I want, and I wanted, changed. but it was kind of going to be based on on what what I wrote. So it was like right. sort of approved, you know what I mean? It was a government approved answer that I gave. So I did say what I wanted, but she could have said, ah, you know what? I don't think you're right for this, right? So that's sort of like an interesting way that it, it kind of like can be controlled it is yeah, yeah. so that was that Shaped. was it yeah it was that's that's re that's really what you're touching you touched on a couple of things that are interesting one is um, the shaping of the narrative it's kind of like on on the you know Jim Jimmy Fallon and stuff they do pre-interviews they, they kind of you know it's the same time it sounds like that's entertainment but sure. the idea is the same level like, well, this and that so it's very staged. Um, the other thing that you mentioned, this editing after something was up, I've heard Matt Taibbi talk about this as a kind of Orwellian thing. You know, a news story goes up. It's got some, you know, whatever it goes up. People are reading it. And then it turns out some really important fact is wrong. So they just go in and change it. And I don't think... Yeah, and and I think... And he, he points sure. out there's sort of an Orwellian... Like, it, yeah. you know, is there... Should we have some discussion right now in our society to have some sort of code of ethics for that mm -hmm. like a good organization should say we publish at this time every day kind of like the old newspapers you could just go find an older copy of it and they would publish um you know not retractions yeah. but they would say editors know you know a previous yeah. version of this story yes. some sometimes they do that yes so i'm wondering is there it sounds like you're saying the um you know this this wild west 
was before this discussion started and people were just doing that? Are people making these, like openly saying, we made this change, we apologize for the previous one that well, was wrong? Okay. Or- I think you have to understand that it's like there's premium on being fast, right? You want to be the first to get that story up. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a masterpiece, but just get it up fast. So at CTV, what would happen is uh, somebody, uh, I don't know, like, um, what was that actor who died of heroin in New York? The blonde guy, I can't remember his name, but he was like a big Phillip deal for a while. Something, Philip. Yeah, Seymour. Seymour Hoffman. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, I remember so that. So the, the guys, mm-hmm. the, the boss of our office says, hey, that guy died. Write something up. But write it up. Don't as, don't put it as a, a C, you know a CP news story. Put it as our, our story and just keep updating it. So uh, he wanted to get a lot of clicks on the story. And it was, you know, it wasn't a bad idea. Let's get clicks on this freaking Philip Seymour Hoffman's pretend it's like our story. So I was just like, wrote, <laughs> wrote it three sentences. Philip Seymour Hoffman is it. Circumcised on, uh, so it, it, bang, it's up. We put a little photo up there, the headline. People start clicking on it. And so, so people start trendy. clicking on it. Yeah, and so right. it's like, then, you know, add, add more, add more, add more, add more. So it was like, we were just adding to it all day long. And, you know, we did this. So thing. nothing changed. You just added. Yeah, it. yeah. You did, you did, like you weren't, Matt Taibbi is talking about when, when sort of a longer story is put up. And then the next day somebody realizes some important fact is wrong or something. But, and then they just yeah. change it. They just update it and it's like, okay. oh, disappeared. I, I, I have, no, I have yeah. no objections to that. I don't really understand what the, okay, so. Don't you think that's a little bit Orwellian? Well, though, I was, that it's sort uh, of okay. done without any note. But it's just, this is just my view of that. Is, a, I've got a bias. Yeah. Like I was back in the day of print media, we would put out these articles in the Montreal Mirror and they were like printed in stone. Once they were out in the street, there was obviously. Okay. It's you know, a week we, till the next one comes out. Yeah. Right? It was yeah. Like, and so if you made a mistake, it was kind of like fairly disastrous and embarrassing, right? right. But uh, yeah. when, you know, now you write, I've been writing stories on my site, Coolopolis, for what, years and years, 20 years, 15 years. Great site, by the way, and, for everyone listening. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, people will say, oh, uh, my friend didn't like what you wrote about him or her or something. And uh, could you take it down or change it? And I'm like, no, I'm from the old school. It's out there. It's on the paper. It's there. It's and and my my standard answer is of course look the Gazette wrote about this La Presse wrote about this if they take it down I'll take it down you know <laughs> you get them to take it down and then maybe I'll take it down we'll see okay so but you're actually arguing in favor of what I'm saying because if if you just leave something up and don't change it and then put something up but I think Taibi is saying they will edit something that's like they, you know, there'll be a story going around on yeah. USA Today or right. New York Times or something, and it, you know, it'll be going around, and then the, the next day when they realize there's a mistake, they'll just edit it without oh, telling anybody. Okay. Yeah, I guess so that yeah. so that it's kind of like you're reading it, and it's it makes it hard sometimes. You may have had this experience. Yeah, you know, you'll you'll be having, uh, you know, you'll read something, oh my God, that, and then you'll go and try and find it again and you can't, if you ever had that, and you think, yeah, what, it sort of I disappeared, yeah. or the, or at least it's a different thing that you remember and you yeah. think, am I crazy? Yeah. So this is, well, I think it's it's adding to this sense of, of confusion about what's real. Sure. And should yeah. there, my question is, yeah. kind of like your ethics, you, you say, I'm not taking it down, that's, I'm leaving it, it's a mistake, even yeah. if it's a mistake, you know, um, should there be some sort of code of ethics there? I don't know how that well, would Well, look, my feeling is that, no, I will change stuff if it's obviously wrong i see i have so many damn typos in my story i'm changing shit all the time typo. i'm not talking about typos well I but mean, it, even yeah matt taibbi pointed this out he said okay. he said not typos but like okay. important facts Sorry to interrupt. okay but yeah. my point is if it's that egregious if somebody wrote something that incorrect i mean you could screenshot it and you, you know true. You, yeah. you can you can show point. the world somebody said yeah. something really uh, crazy a good point yeah it never really it, you know deleting
reading it or changing it never really takes it away in the world today, right? Is your point. Right? And uh, yeah, and yeah. in a way, you know, you could, your infamy will last an eternity. Like, for example, yeah. take, well, who was it, Van der Leyden in Germany? She was on stage saying, I don't care what the German people think. Uh, I'm going to keep on supporting this thing in Ukraine regardless. So that became a, like a meme. Like, how could anybody say something that insane? Like, I don't, I, I'm a German I politician. I don't care about the I don't Germans. care what the population What is she talking yeah. about? So it's like, I mean, you could say, you know, uh, she, yeah. you know, that can't be changed. She, you know, it's people have seen it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's sort of a discussion about um, like gaffes, yeah. you know, like when a politician makes a gaffe, if they can walk it back. Okay, so just to return to the election, um, that's a really chilling story. This particular thing about this guy in Laurentians. And, yeah, you know, well, they like really... to put it into the basket of other sort of threatens to threats to journal uh, threats to politician stories, which I don't think it falls into that basket. But if you accept that it's in that basket, then it's not that alarming. But I do personally think it doesn't really uh, fall into that category. It would be really good if someone could try and you know like. A good journalist could go and try and talk to the police if they've entered. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, someone, I mean, I don't know. Aren't there experts on terrorism and stuff who could try and figure out, is this guy insane? Is he really going to go and do, I, I, just just to be clear, I think what the person is trying to say, to get back to, um, to clarify for the audience, is this, this politician, Sylvain Gagnon, I think is his name, um, voted... Uh, in favor, he he was one of the entire National Assembly who voted against opening up an inquiry as to what happened in 2020. Yeah, right? and not only that, but yeah. it, people were upset by the fact that they actually cheered for themselves after that defeating was, the motion. Right. That was like a freakish, so, weird thing. So just, it was just so inappropriate. Just to explain this, because it's it's I'm sort of having trouble understanding it, so I want to articulate it to myself, and maybe the listeners can understand it as well. So there was this disaster in 2020. People died, and a lot of people died because the health system failed. We're going to get back to the health right. system in just a minute, but the, and and someone proposed, or there's some proposition to open an inquiry. He said, what the fuck happened? Like, what the hell happened there? The entire National Assembly voted against opening an inquiry. In other words, saying, we're not going to look into what well, Okay, the PQ right? made the motion, the so PQ obviously made the they motion. supported the, okay. the motion. But Good. I don't know how the liberals voted. Thank but. you. Because <laughs> I wasn't, yeah, I just appreciate that. So the PQ proposed this motion. The CAQ have a majority, so that whatever motions are proposed they can vote down so the pq good on the pq by the way i, mean, I good, agree good for them for, for sticking up for that so that's one thing good question about the liberals because they seem to be dropping the ball a lot these days but anyway the caq defeated it perhaps with the help of some of the other parties and then they and and they said oh you know so we defeated this motion to open an inquiry and then they clapped for themselves yeah. for doing that which I mean, you appear to have a lot of contempt for that, as I do, and that's a, that's a it's odious thing. It's, it's, it's very crazy that they would do that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's contemptible. I mean, just in the context of the people who died and the real, con like you know, the real concerns about the health system. It's con you know, I don't, I don't understand. Do they normally clap when they win? I mean, it just it seems odd, though. You know, anyway, that's I don't, I don't know. know. Okay, so that's the story there, and so this guy in the Laurentians puts up, you know, is, is, was disgusted by this, this, this unnamed man mm -hmm. and found a 
internet image of this politician in question and put some blood on it. Yeah, some sort of gen- some sort of generic template, blood, which was it right. doesn't, doesn't look real. It doesn't at all. look real. Yeah, it, doesn't, it wasn't like what? he was bleeding in the picture. It was just sort of blood <laughs> is coming down I, in front of him. Right? I, I, on the splash page for this episode, I'm going to put up an image. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll get. Maybe they'll and be coming. Yeah, maybe they'll come to my house. That's, yeah. a, that's yeah. a, okay. This, that's the <laughs> right, other yeah. point. I wanted to make this other point. It's like how exactly. Is it that he was actually being charged with spread, you know, uh, spreading, publishing this image, and all of the news media reprinted this image? So and they were charged. How could yes, right? it, with, yeah, it, right. it was no problem at all. So how is it so egregious, egregious this this image? If all of the if the news, news media, media is just reprinting it. Uh, Left and right. Great question. Great question. That's a, that's a, somewhat of a mystery you pointed out in your TikTok video, uh, which, which is really really interesting. So that's basically what happened, and that's an ongoing story, and it connects it. It brings us to the healthcare system. Um, I'm just on a side note. I'm going to be interviewing the Conservative Party of Quebec uh, health critic, I guess Roy Epen tomorrow. So he's going to inform me of the Conservative Party, and he's policies. a doctor, right? He's a doctor. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's something. I just wonder if you. What do you think about the, you know, how does the health system intersect into this election? It's a very important issue in your view. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm glad you asked that because I wonder about this stuff all the time. And there's so, it's such a complex thing. The, the health system, like I was looking in old newspapers from a few years ago and the Gazette ran like a six part series of about 3000 word articles analyzing how are we going to, you know, fix the budget for the healthcare. And it was really yeah. detailed and it's just this conundrum there was every part of the thing that was looked at i didn't read the whole thing but you could show it shows that there was a lot of thought being put towards this this issue right this is not something that people are taking lightly this is a obviously a long-term thing and it's you know i my sense of what i was seeing in those that whole series of articles was this is unmanageable we could try this that and the other and uh, but it's probably nothing's going to work so it's uh i'm extremely pessimistic so my my reading of what happened over the last few years, we have the Liberal Parties in for almost every year over the last, whatever, 20 years, except for 18 months when Pauline Mayro had her ill-fated government. So we've had the Liberals for a long time. And after Charé left, he was it was taken over by Philip Couillard, who was uh, the premier for a while. So... Quillard, if you don't remember, was a brain surgeon. The guy was a, Literally a, brain, a surgeon. brain surgeon. So obviously he knew the healthcare system and he got his guy, Barrett, another guy, a doctor, who was a bit of a vulgar guy, but he obviously, he's a tough guy as well. And he um, he knows the thing. He was the big fat guy, right? Yeah. yeah because he yeah. was morbidly obese. So yeah, okay. a lot of people don't like yeah. him because he, you know, he had a lot of weird things going on. But okay. he, um, between the two of them, they, they had a good nose for the fact that is, you know, healthcare is a bottomless pit of money. Yeah. It, it will, we can, no matter how much money we throw at it, it we still won't be. Yeah. That good. So they did a lot of rearranging and stuff. And I, I, I got a kind of like, sus- Cuillard in, in particular was so freaking sharp. The guy is a very, guy's got an IQ of about 140, I would say. Yeah. And he, uh, he's a great administrator, knows his files. Famously, you'd go into his meetings and he would know the file. You'd, you'd be intimidated because he would already know everything about what you're saying. More because, than the experts in the yeah, room. It was kind just of the, yeah. the guy right. was a phenomenal character. And it's like, to me, it was like, greatly shook my um, feeling of... Uh, Politicians being... 
Well, you know, no. the, the electorate in Quebec that they would choose Legault over this guy. How the heck is that a thing? I couldn't freaking believe it. Legault. But they weren't choosing the individual. They were they were saying we're tired of the big red machine and the separatist party. That that's what really was happening. But well, that's I mean, what I think really. I don't think it was Legault himself. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think they were looking at like Legault and and Quia. I don't mean to. Okay, no, it could be. It could be. I don't know. It's just. I, I honestly, yeah. I, I, I'd let, I would like to understand this, and I don't understand it at all. But I mean, the the, the Journal de Montréal ran this whole sort of like um, campaign against the Liberals, cr- implying they were corrupt based on the uh, Charbonneau Commission. And it's like the Charbonneau Commission was a mistake because they, they the opposition kept on saying you need to have a an inquiry into this uh, the corruption, and Charest was saying, well. I don't think we need that. Thank you very much. The police are doing this job. So eventually he relented and allowed this expensive commission to take part. And place. it was his downfall. And, and it, was, it was a mistake. And I, I don't even think much ever really, really came of it. But he actually, if you actually Well, they it, discovered there's corruption. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what pretty much everybody said. I remember at the beginning, I was like, they're going to spend millions of dollars. They're going to find out that some money's being siphoned off. You know, it's kind of, and that's pretty much what they found out. So that was a two-pronged attack. The liberals got this... Um, got this reputation for being corrupt, which I don't think they deserve because what you've got is a liberal government who's actually doing major things like the whole REM that's going to be the train thing yeah. that's be, being built. That was their baby. Huge, huge I think it was public a brilliant, transport project all around the Montreal And area. it was quite yeah. clever the way they had a very smart yeah. guy who was, uh, who was going to, who was in charge of that. And they, of course they did the super hospitals and they did Champlain Bridge. And, oh, and that's they did probably the, federal. The, the Turcot yeah. rebuild. So they, they were yeah. really doing a lot of, so every one of those, this project is going to involve, you know, countless contracts with people, and yeah, you're going to get things that 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 uh, that uh, turn to shit. So, it's, well, well, the real question is, are they more corrupt than whatever other opposition could be? Now, that's hard to measure because the um, you know the the big red machine, as you mentioned, has been dominant. Mm-hmm. It's been the dominant part of the PQ has been the you know when there's a timeout, basically yeah. going back to you know. Uh, and and what you know, so I mean, it's hard to make a comparison of whether the the big red machine is more corrupt than the Parti Québécois or than the CAQ now. I mm-hmm. don't know how a person could make that comparison, you know, because otherwise it's a meaningless thing. I mean, if the CAQ are just as corrupt as the Liberals, you know, then you know what's the point of well okay so know, the caq i right. don't know if they're corrupt or not so far they but they haven't got any projects what are their, their projects are they're to get not muslims the from, area stop them they, from wearing hats or something yeah, yeah. What, what are they well what are they, they, they doing well they they're well they're continuing what the liberals did they haven't you know which is not one thing but they're also their projects that they want to do appear to be in the quebec city region right they want right. to do they want to do the tunnel under the river they sure. want to do you know uh, what the tramway in quebec city they That's because to, Quebec that, City is like a swing riding area yeah, where it goes back and well, forth. Well, their base right? is their base is not Montreal, so they're yes, ignoring but, Montreal. But right? the, the okay. Quebec City is volatile. Right. It will sometimes be federalist, and other times it's it's very unpredictable. Right. right. Yeah. So it's partly political. It's also I also think it's partly just their, you know, it's like they are. They represent Montreal is not represented in the CAQ at all. I think what the island of Montreal there are two seats. I mm-hmm. believe is mm-hmm. that right? I mean, mm-hmm. you may know. Yeah, more. it's very few. It's, it's very almost, few, almost none. And they um, obviously culturally and stuff, they're very much you know that they, they, they represent the interests of you know French Canadian kind of center center right sort of not yeah. traditionalist, but just 
you know, and they don't, and the Montreal area is not of concern to them. Now, I'm not defending yes. them. I'm just saying it to explain yeah. why they don't appear to be doing anything because their their base is outside of Montreal. Yes, right? I, I find I don't understand so. the, the appeal of the CAQ one bit. So you, you have to look for it elsewhere yeah. if you want to get a good explanation. But I do find him quite enigmatic. He has a reputation of being a, not a separatist, but of course he's a separatist. Of course he's a separatist. He was with the PQ forever, and now they you know separatism is on the shelf because now they realize they got such a great deal with the transfer payments that of course <laughs> there's no point in separating. But if that ever gets the plug gets pulled on that, it's going to be a lot of tears <laughs> flowing. Did, and, did you know that they put a motion at the last CAQ caucus, like recently, to have a referendum? I this, didn't even this know that. This came out. I, I heard this. I forget where. There's someone should yeah. fact check this, but it was it was voted down. It was like shot down within seconds or whatever. But the fact that it would even come up is kind of amazing because their, their whole brand is kind of yeah. Maybe we'll do that in forty or fifty years. Right now we're yeah. cool with Canada. It's all good. You know, yeah. blah blah blah. But anyway. Well, Sorry, the, the other yes. the other thing is that he has this sort of uh, reputation of being like the successful businessman, like some sort of Berlusconi or Trump or something. But he he is not. He's like he, he flipped into one Air deal. Transat. Yeah, he had that one yeah. deal that he happened to be involved in, and and of course he he sold his shares under. He did it in a very sneaky way. He got out of there and he, he walked away. But of course his policies are totally unfriendly to business. He doesn't care what the um. They, like, for example, a great example is the employers groups want like 90,000 immigrants per year and he wants 60,000, which, I mean, I would just give them the 90,000. Why wouldn't you? Who cares? But for some reason. That's higher than it used to be 45,000. That was the normal number. How, do you know how many actually come in? I think it's 45. I don't know. It's, yeah. I think it's high, way okay, higher. So, than so, that. so even so, 60 is low. So 60 is low. Yeah, okay. they, they want 90,000. He doesn't want to give them 90,000. Yeah. And of course, okay. what we've got now is a manpower crisis and people, especially outside of my. Yeah. Montreal can't find people to hire. It's a, it's a disaster. You listen to the radio in these small towns, and they're like, "Please come and apply." Well, the, people. Yeah, on the radio, that there are you know. First of all, you drive around Montreal, news on Beauchamp everywhere. I sure. mean, we are hiring is like on everything. You know, there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a, this is not unique to Quebec, right? And outside okay. outside Montreal, it's even more extreme because in Montreal you have a lot of immigrants and people who are willing right. to work, so it's less. But just to get back to this idea of the appeal, uh, the appeal. I I mean, I think that there's a move in many parts of the world, a kind of a, a hesitancy towards the open globalization kind of like just, you know, the kind of, you know, there's, you see this manifested all over the place. And, and, and I think that the way it's playing out in Quebec in, in the political structure that we have is people from off island, you know, they're, that's how they're, it's expressing itself politically is they, they're, they're looking, there's this incredible change going on in the world. The world's changing really quickly and they're still, you know, if you're living in a smaller town somewhere and you, you know, they've always viewed Montreal with suspicion anyway. Sure. Now it may feel even more foreign than it used to, used to be, oh yeah, you heard English everywhere. Now you hear English everywhere and there's all these turbans or something like it's like different. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to put on my you know, small town, traditional French Canadian kind of, you know, slow yeah. change, relaxed, yes. not very socially cohesive and not, not into sort of confrontation glasses. And yes. that's okay. how the world might look. And maybe the CAQ might be reasonable from that point of view. 
Maybe. I mean, I I don't know. It's, like, it, I, it's, I'm just I'm not trying to convince you of that. Okay, so I know you're we not know that Legault yeah. actually operates by polls, right? He spent insane amount of of, of of government money, our tax dollars, on polls. So it's like he will he will basically set his policy based on what what people are saying in the polls. So they actually did a poll on. Do you want 60,000 immigrants or 90,000 immigrants? So people overwhelmingly said, we want 60,000 immigrants. So it was like, you got to understand that, like, you could go, I into, didn't know that. You could go into a bar somewhere on the plateau or something, and the guy next to you will actually know the name of the minister and the sub-minister and what the sub-minister said. It's like, what the hell? The English people don't know anything about that. It's <laughs> we don't, crazy. Yeah, we if, don't you, if you look at the, um, the, the, yeah. the voting participation rate in Quebec, it's way higher than some place like That's Alberta. True. I actually looked at this just today, and it's like Alberta is like that in the forties and fifties when the provincial elections. elections. That's how many percentage we of people seventy sometimes we got, 65, like 70%. in nineteen eighty five we got yeah. nineteen seventy six we got eighty five percent. I mean, wow. there was one year I think two thousand and eight. It seemed to be very low everywhere. Alberta and Quebec was very low, but otherwise we're 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 reliably into the seventies and stuff. So you got to give you know I don't think they're ignorant. They're yeah. they, they, they're yeah. not like yeah. uh, they're aware of what the population. Living. And yeah. yet I don't. Yeah. And yet I don't understand. Like for example, he gets very high marks in how he handled the. The COVID crisis, which uh, to me is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were freaking locked in our houses at night for seven months. I know. Well, that's that definitely seems to be a kind of a cultural difference that you just mentioned between the Anglo. We're both on the Anglo side. So uh, I have a friend in Gatineau who um, he lives here and he we were talking about this the other day and he he's an American, but his wife is French Canadian and and he said, God, in this province, you know, looking at it from the sort of libertarian and he's an American, he's, he's like, it feels like people here that they're just so govern me harder, daddy. Yes, like, it's yes, like, they yes, just, they yes, want yes, the yes, government yes. to be like, yeah, you know, it's, it's incomprehensible. Yeah. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. At the bit. same time, there is a long history in Quebec of being very, um, um, individual, like, you know, like not individual, but collectively independent of the government. I mean, there, there's people like Maxime Bernier, Brian Mulrooney was a Quebecer from a small town. There's a long, you know, there, and then we, you know, I don't know, I, like I'm not entirely sure, like that's just the mood right now of that part of the population. I'm not entirely convinced it couldn't change in the future. And I don't, and just to return to the election here, the polls are showing, and you mentioned how he he's governing by polls, mm -hmm. which I think is just, I am so tired of politicians just going by polls. Trudeau is even worse mm -hmm. on this, right? Just looking at polls and not having a kind of, you know, it's it's kind of like a person who doesn't have a set of values and just looks at every, like some people in my family seem to be this way. They kind of, they look at everything. They just look at it and go, okay, I think this from this. They don't look at it like, okay, what is my value? Like, yes. I, you know, I believe in freedom of speech and this, and then apply that axiom to whatever the, the mm -hmm. issue is. They kind of do it the other way around. Sure. This, is, this is where you get these these contradictions, like my body, my choice is okay for yeah. for abortion, but not, you know, all of a sudden yeah. with, with vaccines, then it goes out the window and then it goes back with abortion. It's kind of, because they're not using an axiom, right? Mm -hmm. If the axiom is my body, my choice, then that has to apply also to an injection in your arm. It has to. I mean, it's really, but I just wanted to return to this poll thing, um, right? They're showing 42%. Uh, the conservative party showing nine to 19, depending on the poll. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have a sense of, I mean, we're getting into the realm of predictions here, yeah. which is dangerous, but I mean, do you, do you think there's going to be any surprises or do you think they're just going to roll to a massive victory? I think it's a great question. The so, CAQ right now are, yeah. just to be clear to our listeners, with 42%, where those votes are likely to be distributed, mm -hmm. if that's true, he should win a blasting, overwhelming I mean, majority victory, just to be clear. I mean, if, right? if, if, if uh, at the extreme, they could win 100 seats and out of 125 the, the 100 out of 125 uh, whatever right? it is i don't know how that's many. That, that would be that would be a massive and, victory. and yeah. the liberals could might only win 10 seats i think the liberals will win a bit more than 10 but it's like if you look at both extremes of the predictions that could be what that, that would be an absolute disaster for democracy and it's like we have to ask what the hell happened to the liberal party it's like this is one of the things that's been preoccupying me they have a leader named dominique Anglade who somehow was an uncontested candidate for the leadership, which I'd like somebody, if anybody out there is listening to this, can explain to me how she became the leader of the Liberal Party uncontested. Nobody else wanted to run for the party. That doesn't make sense to me. Even the little crap parties like the Bloc Québécois when they had no support at all or the PQ would have like eight or nine people trying to get the, the leadership. It, it doesn't make sense to me. There must have been a, a memo that went around saying... Um, do not run against her because you you, you know you're you're going to get a horse's head in your bed if you try you know well, that it, could it, have happened and and so yeah. what so of course she's been an absolute disaster she's I mean, the, the liberals that never got under 21 seats, as far as I can recall, and now they're going to go way under that. So You mean in history they've never gotten Or I'm sorry, 21%, I should 21%, say. 21%, yeah. yeah. So this is... Right. Uh, this is uh, That's what they got last time, 21%, right? I, I don't so, know, but I yeah. don't know. They got better than that, but they, okay. the lowest yeah. that I've seen over, over the early elections was 21%, and she's going to get lower than that for sure. So that doesn't make sense to me that she... To me, they should have replaced her along the line before. I mean, mm -hmm. she, she spent two years sitting on her couch eating potato chips, just... <laughs> not doing opposing, nothing. not she, opposing. Not only was she yeah. not opposing, she yeah. was actually agitating for more stricter measures. She wanted people on the island of Montreal to not be allowed to leave the island of Montreal. Really? She, she just ill-advised... the bridges? Yeah, and it was like, she didn't wow. actually have to go to work at all, because there was no National Assembly, so she... I don't know what she was doing. She was absolutely out of touch with everything. The obvious thing was that she figured she already had all the English votes in her pocket, so let's try to chase some French votes, so she just became a copy mm -hmm. of all the other parties. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And, you know, she supported Bill 96, and then regretted it, and said that we didn't support it, and it's, to me, it's absolutely incoherent the leadership is a disaster and that's a big problem because that's the only that's the natural ruling party of quebec it is, and yeah. we that's don't we have that it. so we got the conservatives who I actually quite like them a lot the guy is uh, has great policies yeah, i think zuem is yeah. the man's name yeah. so the problem i think with the conservatives why are they polling so low after i think they went up to 19 and now they're back to 14 do you think that's something. low well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a brand new yeah. party. Okay, it's much, it's, right? it's good for you know. I mean, they, they, they yes, were, they I think were, it's yeah. low. Yes, I think it's low because in Quebec you can be zero and then go up huge, like the NDP That's with yeah. he, with, with, with yeah. Leighton. He went on to the Monde en Parle, and then suddenly he was like <laughs> they won every seat in Quebec just because <laughs> yeah. he did one or one or two really good TV appearances. Le Bon Jacques or whatever. But yeah. I have a I have a sense that okay, Duhem is openly gay. 
which yeah. obviously I don't care about that one bit. It doesn't bother me. But if we look at Andre Boisclair, do you remember this yeah. guy? He was a PK. Snorting cocaine in his, uh, yeah. in his office in Quebec but City at an openly he, he gay. Was, he was yeah. frequently <clears throat> complaining that, you know, the fact that he's openly gay is actually stopping him from. Uh, so I don't, mm, I don't really know if this question. is an issue, yeah. but if you watch Duhaime being interviewed on TV, they are super hostile to him. Mm. They want to crucify yeah. him. That's and that, that's a problem because. So you're suggesting a kind of like innate homophobia? maybe yes i think yeah it's hard to interpret because uh, you know the the the, okay i believe that the quebec tv really dictates everything in quebec i mean if you look at the viewership statistics of the province of quebec they're just glued to their tvs and watching quebec content (laughs) all day long especially elderly people and um and they vote and and, and if you you see the the trusted host going after somebody in a very hostile way you think that person must be bad so regardless of what you of what you're going to do in terms of a brilliant answer and and duhaime gives great answers to very smart attacks so it's it's a very unfortunate situation so is it because you know the corporate media has been bought out by obviously all this you know the uh the subvention, the, uh, the 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 free money they've been receiving, or is it because they they don't like conservatives, or do they they sort of have a sort of subconscious chip on their shoulder against this weird gay guy who's running? I don't really know. It could be a combination yeah. of these things, but unfortunately, but you think yeah. it's going to conspire to the, them yeah. not because yeah. just to be clear to our listeners. Um, the, the Conservative Party of Quebec is is was reformed in 2011, I believe, and it had been dissolved in 1930 or something <laughs> into the Union Nationale. I mean, it hadn't existed for, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think Quebec was probably the only province in Canada not to have a Conservative Party. It yeah, it came out of nowhere. Right, yeah. came out. Well, they 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 bumbled along, and according to some inside sources I have, there was a split. There's like a hardcore libertarian part oh, of it, and then there's a more yeah. Uh, sort of centrist conservative in the sense of like, you know, what we think of in the, in the federal conservative party. But just to be clear to understand, so people will understand with nine, even if they got 19% of the vote, in theory, they could win zero seats. Because if those votes are distributed across the province, if they get, you know, 22% here and 33% there or whatever, they they could still end up with zero seats. And And it sort of sounds like, on the other hand, they seem to be making a play. I wanted to return to some, some stuff you said about the liberals. It could well be, you mentioned how the, you know, Anglos vote for the liberals. It's kind of like how in the United States, black Americans just vote Democrat. And, and, and for the same reason. You know, basically the Democrats hold up a sign saying, if you vote for the, the hairy, smelly white guys in the Republican Party, they're gonna, all going to put you all back in chains, you know, basically, right? So there's literally the numbers are shocking. It's like, what, 92, 96% voting Democrat. And it's very similar in Quebec. Anglophone community is, I'm not suggesting Anglophones are some persecuted minority or anything like that, but that's a separate discussion. But I think what one of the things the Conservative Party is trying to do is is smash that dependence because the Liberals have been doing the same thing for the last 50 years. They've been saying, you know, if you vote for the other party, you're going to end up in a different mm-hmm. country. You don't want to live in a different country. You want to keep your country of Canada. Mm-hmm. So do you think they can be successful at winning some seats on the island of the Conservative Party at taking some seats from the Liberals? Is that... Do you think there's any possibility that could happen? Or no, but you make the good point. It has yeah. to. Their support has to be concentrated. I don't. I didn't go that, that, by with Bill ninety six. They, they're yeah. making a deliberate play uh, to try and get some seats in the Anglo community. I yeah, think, I believe. And, right. I mean, they, when they talk They've about Bill ninety six, yeah. yeah, they oppose Bill ninety six, <clears> and I, I salute them for it. But his his reasoning, it's I, a bold I, move. I, I totally admire him. It's not. He says 
it is a violation of the Charter of Rights, Human Rights and Freedoms of Quebec and Canada, the whole thing. So it, we, we, on those grounds, we oppose it. He doesn't say we, we we'll feel sorry for it. the English people or anything. Right, right. Yeah. But he doesn't even say he'll repeal it, right? He I don't know says, what he says. Yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, yeah, that's a technical point. But anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was. Mean? I yeah. actually saw yeah. the, an interview of, with Dominique Anglade, and it was like, she said, I, we, we, we voted against Bill 96, but the, the interviewer, I was pulling my hair out. The next question, of course, will you repeal it if you're voted? But she didn't ask that. She just changed the something. So it was like, come on, man. We want to know. Get, get your... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 my, my impression of Anglade is, first of all, she's a very attractive woman. Um, you know, that's, that doesn't, I don't know if that matters. If that and her parents her died in an earthquake it's, in Haiti. So that really? Got a lot yeah. Of, it got a lot of sympathy. I mean, that's just, that doesn't mean anything about her as a politician. It's just, I've seen pictures of her. She's sort of striking, like, for someone. Usually you're looking, yeah. you know, like, once, Legault is, you know, you look at him and you see a picture again, of her. Once again, like, wow. I, like, I don't want to mischaracterize, but it's like the, the fact is Quebecers are not necessarily that welcome. Like I said, uh, the, the, the Boisclair slash Duhame gay situation, yeah. I do believe it also goes over to, you know, they, they don't want to know about a black candidate. Is I she mean, black? Because she's sort of, yeah, she's is black, she part, because she's she half or something? Yeah, I just, I, she's it's a light-skinned black person, light skin, yeah, okay. so she's a Haitian heritage, right, so okay. I don't think that's working in her favor, even though it's, Pro, you know, yeah. it's the woke thing um, nowadays. Um, among the French-Canadian majority. You're and talking, yet, you right? saw it's interesting that. characters like Melanie Jolly when she ran for mayor of Montreal, she was did an absolute really well. nobody and did yeah. insanely yeah. well. <laughs> and if for somebody who was a no, so there is and then it catapulted her into yeah, the, into the into, stratosphere yeah, into of the, the federal. evil realm yeah. of the Trudeau circle, <laughs> yeah. which is like I, I think they'll have to pay the price for that one day. Answer some hard questions, but yeah, we'll come back to the federal yeah. stuff in a future podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but just the thing about uh, Anglada, I wanted to say is, do you think that the liberals know? that she's going to get smoked and that she's incompetent and that she's just their sacrificial lamb. I mean, yeah, just by way of comparison, I don't know if you know, you know, Mark Stein, mm -hmm. Mark Stein had this, this thing in, in, in sort of, it was in 2020, he was analyzing who the Democrats were going to choose for the American election. Right. I don't know if I've told you this before, but he, and, and he was, and at that point, you know, the right before the, not 2020, it was, yeah, well, it was sort of late 19, 2020 when it looked like the, it looked like Trump was just going to roll into a steaming victory. That's what it was looking like. Mm -hmm. So he, he was saying that basically the Democrats were like, okay, who are we going to offer up? for sacrifice right. we have to put someone up there and that person really has to think he can win or whatever and 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 he thought that they would put joe biden up mm -hmm. as that sacrificial line and it's quite possible that they they and he was in by then that he was never supposed to be the president he was supposed to be the guy who was going to get stomped yeah, by trump yeah, yeah, sure. so i wonder i just just to get back to on that i wonder if she and of course then the, the COVID thing happened Mm -hmm. And then that just was the catalyst, and then you know all the other stuff. And in, 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 um, I think the the George Floyd stuff that was another thing. But just just to get back, like, do you think that she's some sort of? Is that possible? They know she stinks and she's yeah, incompetent. Yeah, that's and, track. And, and, and that they're just putting her up there. She's going to get say, smoked. You could say you had the female one, and you get the double <laughs> thing. And if she was in a wheelchair, it'd be a triple thing. So the point is. Well, then she can get smoked, and it, like, yeah, and then the, there are people who might be able to win are not because yeah. the, the Mark Stein's point was that you you don't put up someone who has a chance of, of like a yeah, real chance of, of winning because then their career is done. Once they've been stopped, they have to leave, right? Yeah. So, right. I don't know who the who the liberals have in terms of talent that they could offer up. Okay, right? I know that I know. under Cuiar they had a ton of people that were really good. This uh, was a Lite who was the finance. He was doing all the sorts Brazilian. of Brazilian. 
My yeah. God, this guy was brilliant. Yeah. And he was keen to keep on. He was on to help the CAQ. He was like offering to. So this guy would, would have been. Carlos liked Yeah, he would have yeah. been brilliant. I mean, yeah. Cuillard uh, himself would have been good if he, he hung around. But he had better things to do. He was going to make money as a doctor. I mean, for God's sakes, why didn't we keep this guy? But yeah, yeah I mean, the, the whole thing is. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's a mystery to me. But, you know, Cuillard, I guess when. Um, Legault was on TV every damn day talking about his COVID thing and everybody in Quebec is watching their LCI or whatever it is, the Radio Canada news channel. I mean, that gave him so much screen time that they, they kind of, he became endearing to them. That, that would be my only sort of attempt to um, understand how it is he maintains his massive popularity in Quebec, which is absolutely beyond my comprehension because I think he's an entirely incompetent. So you think COVID helped him? Well, sure, because like right. I said, because he was on TV yeah. all the time, and they're doing right. this gravitas thing. Like, oh boy, I'm going to yeah. save the world. Yeah, the, the, the kind of the, the very kind of uh, the, the grandfather who's sort of looking out for his family, you know, yeah. with his glasses on the end of his nose. Yeah, and he's like of, one of us. Know. He looks yeah. like yeah. son in law or something. Yeah. I don't know, it's <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I, I don't really know how to think about that because the the COVID the COVID thing seems like a disaster. Um, did you want to talk, just finish up on healthcare? Like, because we, we started with that, we didn't go into it. I mean, is there, do you have any predictions about, I just wanted to say something about the healthcare that you're right. There, there was a time when it was in all the newspapers and people talked about it and everybody seemed to agree that there was a demographic problem, that we have people who are baby boomers who are reaching and they set the system up in 1965 or whatever when people the average you know age was 65 you died or 66 yeah. or whatever it was and and um you know and, and there was a much younger population anyway like even you know like like even if you if you discount the earlier death rate you had a higher youth bulge so it was a, and, and you add to that the rising cost of technologies like MRI machines and things like this that, mm -hmm. that are so expensive, yeah, sure. right? And it's kind of one of these things. I And the third problem is we have what's called single payer, which is basically there's one insurer, the government, right? So there's no way for market forces of competition to have any effect. And I don't know if you know this, but you know how people can't get a doctor, you know, it's like, it's like a big problem, you know? Yeah. You will find, you go around the island of Montreal, you can find clinics that desperately need patients. They don't have enough patients. They've just opened up and they need new patients and you can get in there. That's a real thing. And why don't we know about that? Because they're not allowed to advertise. It's again, there's, it's, it's, you know, there's no way they can get, so they have to rely on sort of word of mouth and this kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so it, it could, and Canadians, this is luckily not so bad in Quebec, but it's still a thing in Quebec seem to have this almost talisman-like thing about the healthcare system. Yeah. It's kind of like, we are better than our American cousins because we have this system. So doing any kind of reform that would lead to more market forces. I mean, we do have private healthcare um, in, in Quebec. It costs, it's very expensive. If you want to go to TMR and, and go to a clinic, I went into a clinic once to had a thing from a doctor you know, to get some blood tests. And, I, you know, I lived in Park X, so I went in this clinic and it looked like Xanadu in there. There was bamboo and everything. And I, and I didn't know it was a private clinic. I just walked in and I was like, yeah, I need to get these tests done. They, they took one look at me and they're like, 
um, so are you sure you want to do them here? I said, I said, why? They said, well, you know, you can go and get them done at the CLSC for free. And I said, really? Okay. So how much is it going to cost you? It was like a thousand dollars or something. Yeah. Anyway, I just, do you think there's a place, should someone be talking about some sort of reform, like really serious reform yeah. or is that crazy? I don't know enough about what would work and what wouldn't work. I know that they talk often about, let's make it semi-private like this way they do in Sweden and that works so Switzerland. well yeah and germany like, much better yeah so i yeah. like i said will that work i know that the liberals got a bad reputation for healthcare after the journal de Montréal published articles about some old person dying in some home didn't get a bath for a couple of days and that became like wow it's so shocking but it's like it seemed to me like it's sort of very trivial when you kind of think of it in the big picture but somehow that that sort of like bad publicity kind of really hit it hits a nerve with the electorate and uh somehow the caq has dodged that it, but I mean, in, inevitably, why? it will be there. Could, I don't stop know. Why. You. Did you have any theories why they don't? My see theory them? is that yeah. they know how to control the media a bit better. It's like right, they're they're right, controlling yeah. the yeah. the narrative a little bit more forcefully than perhaps their predecessors who may have been yeah, kind be. of dedicated yeah. to being a little bit more uh, open. Yeah. That's sorry to interrupt you. I, I think that's probably what's going on because the, because you're making a really good case that that uh, Legault and the CAQ are really good at watching polls and at playing to what people. So it could well be they seem to have a superb communication structure. I mean, you know, that, well, we're yeah. in dangerous territory right. about the media being bought out. The mainstream media yeah. really being on the tit of government and stuff. It's really it's a really yeah, a, it's great. quite obvious this is happening. I mean, you hear the COVID ads on the radio nonstop. Oh, it's like I mean. It, it's, it's there's no to me. I changed yeah. the station. There's no yeah. separation of church and state at all now, and it's like <laughs> this is a big issue. So the people like you or anybody yeah, else out there getting the word doing out. their voice or even you know yeah uh, I've I've heard some just on that note there I I had uh, I was we did one of these like open house days at the Sijup where I work and so I was down there you know greeting people and I got into a discussion with one of the. Uh, uh, philosophy professors who's a really smart guy and we had a really cool talk and he we were talking about this exact issue about the COVID thing and he said that the province of Quebec had spent more money on those on on COVID than any other province even Ontario or all of the other ones combined it was some shocking amount of money on that on just these ads saying we need to do the 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 you know, the couvre further, you know, the yeah. whatever, curfew and, you know, get vaccinated, this, that, the other thing. And and it's funny how those things, uh, like, they, they sort of slip under the rig. Because that seems like a serious conflict of interest. It's, well, do you remember you know, Bash, Sheila Copps? She was a liberal uh, cabinet yeah. minister in the federal yeah. government. She had some programmed. She said, well, magazines in Canada, they could use a little help. So we're going to sort of, like, send money to them. And of course, uh, she got in, not trouble for it, but people uh, conflict of interest. Yeah, it was like this is yeah. not really ethically okay, you know. And yet, nobody's asking those questions anymore. At you all. and I are, yeah. but we are, yeah, yeah, because it, it's because I think the case of the COVID money. What you're suggesting is that that basically the radio stations and the newspapers and the TV stations. That's not a direct subsidy, but that's something where whoa, that's a nice little yeah bit of cash coming in to run these commercials and it reinforces this notion to the population who's hearing them if they're in favor of the government 
that their government's kind of steady hand, carefully guiding us through this. They've got us covered. It's sort of saying, it's basically a political ad in some senses, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it, yeah sort but of I don't I, like, I, like how, how do we know to what degree does mainstream media control the, the people's points of view? I don't Good know. Question. You know, I think, yeah, I think we, it's yeah. obviously very powerful, but is it, all powerful i don't know well this is yeah this is what i was getting at a few minutes ago when, when, when you know i mean i when i mentioned the 42 percent i mean there have been a lot of elections i mean the ca that where it seemed like there was this overwhelming thing there was one in alberta 10 years ago where i forget which party was going to dominate Nick and the other one won when the caq won in 2018 the liberals were supposed to first win a majority. Then the polls were showing a minority right up to election day. Mm -hmm. Everybody was saying it's going to be a minority. And then I remember the day of, I remember thinking, I don't know. And every, everybody I was talking to, you know, I was talking to one woman who's a doctor. And she said, oh, it's just really, it was a French Canadian kind of person who's more plugged into the media than you and I are, let's say. And, and she was like, oh, I was just really disengaged from this. I didn't really even want to vote. I was really, and that was the sense I was getting. And the CAQ was quietly out there knocking on doors. They have a whole machine running, you know. And I remember that friend of mine in Gatineau told me the day of, he said, boy, I went to the polls today and it's worrying. Like just from what he, the chatter he was hearing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically, I mean, that, so the CAQ, then they won this overwhelming victory with only 37% of the population oh voting God, for them. Right, you know. is, that, is that the number? I didn't even know 37. That. Wow. Well, well, that's, I mean, just to be, just so we can get yeah. this onto the record, our system is very strange where, because it's first past the post in every single mm -hmm. riding. Mm -hmm. So if you have 125 ridings, then every single one, you can get 35, 45, you can get way under 50%, you take 100% of that sure. particular district, right? So that happens federally and provincially. You know, federally, it's even stranger where the, you know, the Conservative Party in two straight elections got more votes than the Liberal Party yeah. and they still yeah. lost, right? Amazing. It's just, Amazing. And under this system, the Parti Québécois in 1998 won a majority with fewer votes, which is sort of incredible. Yes, I mean, incredible. it's an un so, so this is yeah. what the CAQ is banking on. They're banking on because of those distribution of those votes outside the island. They yeah. happen to right. It's, I suppose I the suppose. liberals probably, while they had the, the the power, they should have changed the the, the electoral voting system. map and say put a lot more seats on uh, well populated areas like Montreal. That it doesn't make sense to me that we have the system where all the outlying areas are totally controlling all of the narrative. They're deciding what happens in Montreal. Montreal. I mean, this is uh, everybody in the, his dog says the same thing. So it's, uh, I'm just stating the obvious, but we're in a very strange system where all of these people from who don't like Montreal and don't trust Montreal get to dictate Montreal's policies. It doesn't make sense to me. It could be that the that there's the government has too much power generally. You know, mm -hmm. like that, that might be yeah. that would be my argument yes. as a kind of libertarian, almost yeah. quasi anarchist type is that. You know, the whole idea that there's so, you know, there's such a large state sector in Quebec, like maybe that's the problem. And so, so many people, so many people, you know, I say this, I'm almost an, uh, an employee of the state in yeah. some sense, I'm an educator, but I don't know about that. As to reforming the system, I, I'm going to ask Roy Epen about that tomorrow because yeah. um, he's the, the, I don't know what to think because it, it is, you have to be careful because the system, you know, if it really, I mean, is it really that bad? We have generally have a pretty stable democracy. I mean, every system you have is yeah. going to, every system that is set up democratically is not going to work perfectly, like in the sense of one person, one vote, right? 
So I don't know. I like as to reforming the system. Like if I had to make a proposal that would be better, I don't know that I could do that without making like you know it might make it worse. Whatever I came up with. Well, no, I think you, with, what right? you would do, any sane person would do, is like let's let's scale back on a lot of these rules. So it's like what we got, for example, is the CAQ comes in, they want to leave their mark, and they have this po policy that. Uh, French people won't be allowed to go into English CJEPs, except that you know it's slightly more complicated than that. But people who've who've gone to elementary and 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 uh, secondary school in French, they're not only not French necessarily. Voila. So you right, you, that's actually they, they would have to go to a French language CJEP, and the university would be okay. The, the yeah. PQ never wanted to do that because they said that's just going too far, and yet out of the blue, they the, the CAQ comes up with this policy. And it's not even popular amongst French people. You know that, eh? The French people don't like this. English people, of course, hate it. Like, why would you do that? And, and, uh, but they did it anyway, just for, I guess, because is, they is said. Is that done now? Yeah. Is that, is that so a done deal? Yeah, sure. So sure? they, yeah. it basically, okay. I think it is, unless you, you probably know better well, than me. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I know a little bit about this in the sense that the, the, because I'm an educator in one of the French language stage-ups, and I should say for the record that my view here may be biased because I may benefit from that. Sure. Right? Because the, the way it works right now is the English educational institutions in Quebec are, more established historically. They like the first educational institutions in Quebec, aside from heavily religious things, mm -hmm. were like secular institutions like McGill. Uh you know, and, and also the colleges like Dawson are older and they were not they were secular to begin with. The mm -hmm. French ones were so what that what I think what that translates into is in the modern era, they tend to be better. They tend to be better at doing education because it wasn't this heavy religion up until 50 years ago, whatever. That's my analysis. of, And one of the results of that is that Dawson College and Vanier College, there's, what, three colleges on the island of Montreal, mm -hmm. right? Dawson, Vanier, and John Abbott. Right. right. They have way more students applying to get in, which means sure. they can take better students. Sure. They can, they can pick, which means that that's another reason they're yeah. better. They have the students that are smarter, like, you know, higher grades and all that stuff. So what, and, and many of the students who go to those English language institutions are not Anglophones, right? Many of them are, are, as you sure. mentioned, French Canadians. Now, um, as to, you know, whether the government should mandate, um, I, I don't know that that has been done. I do know that the English language stages like Dawson, they're going, they're supposed to, um, you know, have some, if you get your, your diploma there, you have to do at least three of your core yes. courses in French. Yeah. So yeah. let's say, you know, so maybe you'll, you could take biology, you're studying a whole bunch of biology courses. One of them would have to be in French, right? Yeah, absolutely stupid. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just, well, what I, I, is that? Yeah. People, I mean, if you actually go around and talk to people, <laughs> it's like, they're, they're not that, people are not always that bilingual as you imagine. They always say, well, they, you yeah. know, they, there's a lot of people whose French who would have is, trouble with that. I mean, yeah, I've got neighbors who don't speak yeah. English or French. They've been here for 50 <laughs> years. They speak Italian and it's like, they could say a few words and, you know, both, but it's, it's yeah. you know, this is, it's, we have a very linguistically diverse environment yeah. in this city. Um, I, I think that, I mean, because I think that I understand that, the I, first of all, the, the objection to it to me would be that it would be logistically very hard to do. How would you integrate those teachers? In? Like, like when I think about my institution, if we had to give some courses aside from, like, we're, I'm in the languages department, so that's what we do. But if in the biology department, yeah. like, they don't, you know, like, would I go in and teach a biology class or something just because I can speak English fluently? Good like, point. like how would that work on the French language system? Would yeah. they, you know? But uh, the, the objection that some students are, are not linguistically capable enough is an indictment of the school. 
school system, in my view. That it's not like that. It's the anglophone school system is not preparing people well enough for the the, the francophone majority. Of, that's my personal. Okay, view, so fair enough. Know, but, uh, but keep in mind, there are forty-seven or forty-eight or something English-speaking people in Canada and the U.S. for every one French-speaking yeah. person. So the idea is that we've got to sort of the English. But people, we're here, though. Yeah, right. but we're here yeah. for the moment. We can <laughs> yeah. we can go That's any true. different place, and we got we That's we true. want to optimize ourselves for the world, not for necessarily. Well, for I mean, you, you could yeah, you could look at Quebec as a French speaking North America is what you said. What six percent of North America is speaks French as a native language? Twenty three percent of twenty two percent of Canada, and you know what? Over eighty percent of Quebec speaks that as a native language, right? Because you know about seventy eight percent are French Canadians, and then there's a few percentage points of people who are not French Canadians who use French as their primary language, mm. right? A lot of people in Montreal North and places like that, where so the, the, that's a huge majority here. Here, I mean, wouldn't you concede that that's important where we live? Is that not? No, I don't no. think so. Yeah. I, look, I yeah. mean, I, I, like, yeah. I'll, for example, on my Facebook page, I've, I, I, I look at my um, my feed, and I've got all sorts of people from uh, Montreal. I've got a lot of Haitians, whatever Africans, I've got people in Montreal, just because I'm interested in those people, and uh, they'll sh they, they'll switch to English all the time, even though they're French, basically. And it's like yeah. suddenly they're talking in English. But why do they? The French people get the English tattoos. It's like it's a fun thing. They want to do that. They want to be in the in the world. And it's like yeah. this is to me, the way the way we should be swimming. Yeah, I, I can tell you that. I mean, my personal experience with um, my students and many of whom become my friends mm -hmm. after they finish. I mean, I went over to get my hair cut with one today, and he he's half French Canadian and half Italian, and so we were talking about this and. Um, and I asked him straight up, I said, how many of, because he speaks more French than English. I mean, he speaks English quite fluently because, mm -hmm. he, you know, but he has a, but he's more comfortable in French, let's right. say. But he's one of these people, like you're talking about, who has no problem just going into English. He doesn't care. He doesn't, it's not like he's like, you know. But I asked him, I said, how many of, in your, in the Italian side of your family, because, you know, how many of them use uh, English prefer to use English over French, or you know, or, and he said, oh, like ninety-eight percent, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. which was I, I would have said like seventy-five percent. So well, okay, you I know, mean, you know uh, the but among the Italian yeah. community. But you know the you history know, yeah. was basically they, they were sort of forced into the English schools before, yeah. whatever. I never really understood the reason for that. They're Catholic and That's they, a great question. Because Italians were, are Catholic, why would they, they have been yeah, they were just because they were immigrants, I guess. To me, it's, I, yeah. it's, it's mystifying. It's like the yeah. whole the, the grip of the clergy and some of the administrative division the decisions over the, the centuries to me have been incredibly mystifying. Like they, they discouraged education. The clergy actually yeah, they right. actively <laughs> discourage education in your book you have some stories about that about how they they there was a they were going to build a library yeah, yeah. can you tell that because that, that's a really incredible yeah what's idea. the industrialist in the states who's vanderbilt uh, no no yeah, anyway they, 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 yeah. anyway he, he was a big american industrialist he said yeah. that he was going yeah, going going to fund libraries all over the place you just in new york and everywhere do, yeah all they had to do was uh, staff them so ontario got like 150 of these libraries and we absolutely blocked these libraries if you look at the history of the circle canadien which is another thing they dis they excommunicated them because they wanted to be learning and these people yeah. so there was a whole scandal about that so uh monsignor brucasi i think his name was who the um the big top guy in about 1908 in quebec he um of the catholic uh church he said uh 
It's it's a thousand times worse than smallpox uh, to, to to be to learn English. Yeah, yeah to just become, just to, yeah, to wow. libraries. So he was saying the libraries. Okay, libraries so are books. a thousand. Yeah. yeah. So wow. the, the point is, uh, there, can, if we're in that freaking crazy psychotic situation where they were actually discouraging people from <laughs> learning and reading, it's like that's a, a, yeah. a major hindrance on your population. And Definitely. yet, at the same time, I admire them because. They really did get their population numbers up. They really got those fourteen Very kids. high fertility. It was yeah, insane, right. and it's like that's almost like a curse because now they kind of expect to keep that, but they can't because there's no, they're not having kids anymore, and so they're relying on the immigrants to be their new babies. But the immigrants who really have other ideas. So another thing I was following up on was uh, I saw that Legault had announced that he was spending four billion dollars on filling all these jobs, and I'm like, what is he going to do? I was like. I assume that he was going to go to Tunisia and Algeria and find francophones from other countries to fill these jobs, but that's not it at all. What he's actually planning to do is just educate the people in the, the local French Canadian people into doing these jobs. So he's just going to go out and find, okay, we need people but in there's not enough construction. People yeah. I don't, yeah, so this is his idea. Sense. So that's a lot of money to be throwing at this problem, man. To me, it's like, sounds like pork. It oh, sounds like it's basically a yeah, way of spreading pork. I, they got to open to me. They got to open the immigration floodgates yeah. and they know that that's the, the road to hell because this, so many of these yeah. people will be switching over to English, you know? Well, this is what I, this is what I, I wanted to get back to. Like, I think that this, you know, it's kind of like I think what happened in, in with the Bill One Hundred and One is that um, this is just directly relating to separatism. Was the idea was okay? The fertility rates collapsing, so what we need to do is get the immigrants into French schools, and they will learn French and they will integrate into French. And then, and I think if you're looking at it from the sovereignist point of view, they're going to become good little sovereignists and it's going to kind of join our ranks or whatever. And, and it did work in the sense that it has created a, a cohort of people. It's unclear to me the numbers, but there's some number, a significant number of non-French Canadians who are Francophones, a lot now, who are multi-generational and they're not fully integrated into the, the French Canadian community because they don't, you know, they didn't, they don't have the same heritage, let's say, but they use French as their language. So I'm not sure that, the, I think it's a very outmoded idea to assume that all the immigrants just want to integrate into English because I, I don't see that. Well, I right. think, okay, you know, I didn't say they all want to, but certainly yeah. a, 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 a significant percentage do. 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 So yeah. it's like, they, 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 that's not what, the, the, so they don't have a solution to this issue, which is basically, you know, there's an issue, all countries around the world of underpopulation, not Definitely. All countries, yes, yes. Know, Nigeria, Egypt, they don't no, have no, they, yeah. they don't but have Japan, a uh, yeah, Italy, so, Germany, including so this country. We got that problem yeah. plus the language thing. How are we going to keep this language going? Which I, I would personally say, look, stop worrying about language. <laughs> Just don't even worry about it. It's fine. Right. It doesn't make a difference. You know, yeah. people speak English or French. I don't understand why it's their their obsession that yeah. I don't get it. I, I know that you have you have a, you have a somewhat of an unusual view that yeah. that it would be better if if we all if the entire province of Quebec became anglophone. But yeah, it would be but just better for them. But the, yeah, yeah, no. But we'll put that to the side. But just just the numbers are, are somewhat obscure because I don't know if you know Andrew Cadell. He's 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 a journalist, and I found out from him not long ago that oh yeah. It, yeah, eight eight percent of us are like you and me. Like we are, like we you know we went to school in English and we spoke English with our families in the home. That's like Desush Anglophone. About eight percent, eight or nine percent. But there's actually, if you ask people, which of the two official languages do you prefer to use and you use most often, you get about thirteen and a half percent in Quebec who say English. Mm. So that's people like 
um, some of these immigrants come in and they sure. learn how to speak French, but they just they live on the West Island or something and they live in English and that you know so they use English. Even someone like Christian Boutin, right? Mm, I mean, he's yeah. from the ABCB, but he came to Montreal and he uses English. So yeah. it strikes me that there's a kind of a interplay going on between the two. I don't know. I hesitate to think that one of them has to rise up and dominate over the other one. Well, I mean, you know, the, the I English is obviously the dominant language. It's, it's, it just has to America. be. Like, let's, but it's always been the case. Okay, but right? even in Quebec, right. you know, if you put them side to side, it's like, for example, Duhaime went on Jordan Peterson recently. I don't oh, think yeah? it, really? they haven't actually yeah. uh, put okay. it on the air, as far as I know yet. Looking but forward to that. I, I was looking at the. Yeah. the the people in the the French people on the internet were all like, "Oh, Peterson's great! I love Peterson!" Blah blah blah, and they all had a point of view on uh, Jordan Peterson, and they're the French Quebecers. So it's like you got an idea that they're not oblivious to this stuff. The internet is mm, is a huge yeah. attraction. I don't think there's that much happening. I'm not an expert of the Quebec podcasts and stuff. There's stuff in it. There's there is obviously stuff, there's yeah. content, but there's nothing as big and magnificent Jordan as these, that sort of thing. These, across, these, yeah. these you know the Joe Rogan type things. You you know, you, you're not going to get that in Quebec. There's going to be a few that are, are, are very popular, but so I, I like I don't know if, what that holds, but I suspect that it's going to lead to uh, more uh, yeah. romanticization of the English language, which you know it's inevitable. That's where the action is. That's where the ideas are. Yeah, I mean, it's just just to finalize the thought on on just the language. I if I look ahead, I mean, if I were to if I were to look ahead to see the world that you'd like to see, to like in 200 years, if French were only spoken in tiny villages and English just were the norm everywhere. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't like the look of that. <laughs> I just, I, I don't want that to happen. But but that's okay. I mean, because it will also both of us be gone by then anyway, so we won't know. Oh, I can right? see the charm in it personally. Like, yeah. like, like I always you know? come back to the, 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 the my, my, my uh, ancestral homeland of Wales. Yeah. And it's like, what a beautiful English they speak. And, and yeah. it's like, they've enhanced themselves and the English language and culture to such an, a massive degree. And I'd love to see the Quebecois people doing the same thing with, it would with be great. English. Yeah. I mean, because I think Thomas Sowell made a lot of, wrote a lot about that in some of his essays about Wales and also about Ireland. I mean, if, Ireland's a very interesting case because they, they, their language, you know, collapsed and disappeared over a fairly quick period in the late 19th. Because apparently during the potato famine, most of the immigrants coming here didn't speak English, apparently. This is not well known. <laughs> and it wasn't, and, and so when you get to the end of the 19th century, there was a very, the English was imposed on the on the school systems at one point, and then it just, and but, but what's interesting is, so there was a period where the Irish people basically went through a transition within a couple of generations. So there would have been people who, you know, wouldn't have been able to talk to their grandparents very easily, like say a hundred years ago. And during that period, you have this incredible literary flourishing yeah. of James Joyce. And, right. and also the, the Irish are, in their culture, they have a very naturally social, you know, the gift of gab and that sure. stuff is big. So that, that applied into politics and writing. And, and so you could argue that the Irish people's talents were opened up to the United Kingdom in a certain way by that. But that's a separate discussion. I'm not sure I'd want to have it here. Okay. So to get back to, to closing this out, just one thing I wanted to say about the polls and all that was, this friend of mine who cuts my hair, he's my former student, he told me he's watching this election really closely. He said he said there were some really good singers in the debate um, between uh, Zuem and Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois, where it was, I think it was, um, 
Nado Dubois said, oh, you know, to, you know, maybe you should go run in Texas, you know, because you're this conservative, you know, we don't do that here. And he said, well, you know, maybe you should go run in Cuba. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just shot right I back. I didn't even know that. I yeah, which know, is great. <laughs> I and and I that was a good line. And, and I tried to find the clip I was trying to, because I'm not following this election that closely, but that's why I have you here. You're my uh, resident expert. But he told me that he was monitoring it on Facebook, and he said that, that um, Quebec Solidaire and the PQ yeah. was it were getting the most kind of action and likes and kind of like yeah it's interesting so to see yeah I, I did, wonder like, if that means does that I have a, a I have a bias know? because they, those parties don't interest me one bit and it, Quebec Solidaire and the PQ oh, I don't yeah. see there's a much difference between them what what is the difference I don't well know. Quebec Solidaire is the left wing of the the PQ used to be. Uh, CAQ, PQ, and Quebec Solidaire. They were all under the PQ tent up until, mm -hmm. up until what, 10, 15 years ago, right? Right. So the Quebec Solidaire is the left wing urban sure. kind of but, like. Uh, it, how know. does it, how does it serve them to be separate from the PQ? Because both of them Great don't, question. don't have yeah. a chance at all. You know, just, I don't see the point of it. So. But I mean, do, do you, like, I just wonder hearing that, like, is there a kind of discontentment among that might translate into QS as going to do pretty well i think they're going to i mean well in the sense that they might get a couple dozen seats at most right um the real question is will it eat into any of the caq will it you know or could it yeah. be a minority like i don't think they're going to lose I, 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 you know, honestly if they right? have a, no i think they, the caq has an absolute majority in the bag based on what i saw but so in other words it makes it all very kind of like it doesn't really Arcane, matter to me if yeah, one, right. one party gets six seats or seven seats or nine seats or 11 <laughs> seats but it's it's, it's all just the same thing. Like, where did, like, we saw discontent with the, with the COVID mandates and stuff and various other things, and yet we don't see it really translating into real kind of uh, action in the in the election. It doesn't seem to have a, I don't get it at all. I don't, where You don't have any theories? Because that, that's a great question. Why is there not more? That There was a lot of discontent in Quebec. It was massive. You know, sure. there was a yeah. lot of people, like, really upset with this. The, the trucker convoy was yeah. fairly popular yeah. among the population here. So there was that Ramble Gautier guy, you know, organizing all the truckers. Yeah, and uh, where are those go votes going? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. It. Yeah, no, it's a. So you don't have any prediction. Do, do you think it matters if, let's say, the CAQ, if they're, you know, like if if they, let's say, they don't get, they don't win as big as they as we think they're going to win, and the, and the conservatives and some of these other parties, mm -hmm. if they gain some seats, do you think that has some indication for the future? Do you? I don't know what the theory? CAQ. What what is their what is it they they're promising to do their goals? They, they I mean they they obviously they're the they're the party that wanted to get rid of the veils and they wanted to do a few yeah the more, identity stuff yeah that, the that's language, a big part of their laws. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so the that, that's like, their brand. So they've right? already yeah. done that. Like the yeah. liberals when they were there, they were doing a lot of big projects, and that was sort of yeah. like you know they're sort of the business party. But I don't know what the CAQ is. I, I saw I was too uh, too bored to read read it through. Basically, they have They're a bunch of uh, big spending, and they're going to do this, that, and the other. But it doesn't seem like they've got a real vision of what they're going to do now. Or are they going to make even more intense language laws? Like what? Uh, what what's their left what's to do? Next? You know, yeah, I know next? he he has said in the <laughs> yeah. past that he only wants to do one mandate or two mandates and then retire. But of course, once you're in power, yeah, uh, you want to keep going forever. He's the new Duplessis, right? That's uh, you're you're raising a really good question. But one thing one one thing I'm taking away from this conversation is sort of the horrifying realization that they are 
you know, when Jordan Peterson rants about the, the and, and Maxime Bernier, too, has ranted, this idea of just polling the population and figuring out, instead of, instead of like we said a minute, like I was saying a minute ago, here are what my beliefs are. Sure. Here they are. Do you agree with them? Or, and if you don't, that's okay. You, you know, they're doing the reverse. It's like, I'm, I'm a, uh, a blank page and I'm going to look at you and try and reflect you back in, in my, you know, I'm going to try and create a mirror of you so you're happy yeah. at seeing your... Well, the new government like, technique right? is you, you, you leak some nonsense out to the, 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 the newspapers or whatever, your government, like in Canada, it would be the CBC, Trudeau did specifically right. this, you leak something out to them, they'll report it, and then you use that report to justify your right, policy, right, which right. is like... <laughs> And they've been doing this elsewhere in the states. I'm sure they do it in Quebec as well, because so the the whole thing well, is well. They did something a little bit. Francois Legault did something a little bit like this, where he made this quote unquote gaffe about um, foreigners or something recently, just mm -hmm. last week, and he had to walk it back and apologize because all you know they all piled on about how it's racist. I, I don't have the exact words, but it happened. Anyone could look it up. You know, and apparently he said something about, you know, immigrants or something, and it was sort of like interpreted that he was being xenophobic and, and he had to apologize. So he, and he made some, he made some comment like, oh, I was misunderstood and this is what I really meant to blah, blah, blah. But it occurred to me as soon as I heard that from my colleague at work, she told me she heard it on CJAD. I thought he, that wasn't a mistake. Mm. He said that deliberately, knowing that his people out, they're going, okay, he's sticking up for our interests. He's yeah, with us. You awesome. know, it, it wasn't a racist comment, but it was just, he was, I mean, anything people call racism right now over the most you gotta, mundane, get, minute things, right? Some of the so, great quotes uh, you know. in politics, whether it's a Parizeau called Quebecers lobsters, yeah. and they, they, <laughs> yeah. the, the ethnic vote, and Bouchard said, we need more white babies. So once in a while, they come up with these sort of like honest things. That's <laughs> like, it's almost refreshing as they're going to say what they really mean, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what he was doing. He was yeah. he was more or less saying some sort of thing about one of these identity things that people would say, you know, would a reasonable person go, okay, well, that's one point of view. It's, you know, maybe a little bit, it's politically incorrect, let's say. But then, of course, he got piled on. But I just think it wasn't a mistake, just about this yeah, messaging, I think. Sound, yeah, that, I, would, I would concur. I mean. Okay, um, just to close, did, did, so you don't have any official prediction of any kind. Do you, you don't? Are you? Well, I, I predict on Dominique Anglade of the Liberals would be gone as soon as this uh, this thing, and I'd be curious to see if they can actually put together an interesting team because the Liberals should probably be a, a much larger force than they than they are. And it's like I I just hate to think that we've got four more years of the CAQ coming around the bend and just this this more sort of unfocused, low intelligence kind of uh, vulgar, mm. brutal sort of uh, government that doesn't really uh, do anything good for for at least. For English, for English people or Montreal people or, or freedom or business, I, I just it's yeah. just very discouraging right now. That's I think that's a really good point. This is something that I should mention before we close. Is I'm very impressed and happy with the the, the return in Canada of the notion of freedom. Right, yeah. the idea that freedom is like I think for a long time, Can many Canadians have this view. They look at the United States that really trumpets up freedom as an important part of mm -hmm. their even national France identity. as well, Liberté, you know, right? France and the United States have a very Republican, but especially the U.S. So I think many Canadians look at that and think, oh, freedom—that's sort of a dirty concept. We, you know, we believe in peace and order and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And the reality is that it's yes, it's true that many rednecks in the U.S. are into freedom. Okay, that's true, but there's a long history of you know for in Canada of people supporting freedom, the concept of freedom. I mean, Wilfrid Laurier, mm -hmm. one of his quotes—I don't know if you ever heard it—was 
it was something like Canada, Canada is freedom and freedom is its nationality or something. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a direct, uh, and there's, and we, we fought for freedom in, in several wars around the world and most notably against the Nazis, you know? So, I mean, this is, so just to close the thought on freedom, the freedom convoy was called the freedom convoy. Sure. The conservative party have their, their slogan is Libre yeah. Chez Nous. Libre which, Chez Nous, yeah. Yeah, yeah which, is, slogan. which is a great slogan. Yeah. It's got the word freedom and it's sort of hearkening. It's also connecting the, the it. To, chez nous. Yeah, it's, it's connecting it back to, was that the Union Nationale? Yeah, that, that would that? have been Duplessis. Was it Dupl- no, I think so. No, Am I right? I, I'm not sure if anyway. it was Duplessis. I, I think it was in the 60s. It was... What, chez nous. Okay. I, yes, I think it was the Union Nationale trying to co-opt the rising separatist movement okay like so they were they were kind of thinking okay there's this this separatist movement coming up so we'll we'll promote this idea that you know we can be masters of our own house is what it translates to right but i think that what uh the idea of freedom in our own house is okay but it's it's, you know we have a charter of rights and freedoms and it shouldn't be abused and yet it was abused really terribly speaking of freedom and federal so it's like when it's not just a, it's an imaginary thing. It's like we had actual major government abuses of our rights, which should never be freaking done. And yet they do it left, right, and center. And it's really, it's not cool. So this has to be denounced as a part of this election that I, you know, some, you know, you and I are saying this. It seems like the conservative party seems to be the most. Mm. pronounced the Conservative Party of Quebec on this front. So maybe if there is something positive to end on, maybe, maybe the, you know, this is the beginning of a kind of new movement where freedom reasserts itself. Yeah. And maybe that will translate because it's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen this election. Right. It, don't, it doesn't look <laughs> right. like it. But, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll, but maybe in the future, maybe this is the beginning. But I, I mean, know. it's that, possible that it, we, people seem to be okay, with the, obviously, with the, with with the the transgressions against the the freedoms, I don't know understand why, but it, the bubble could burst eventually. People could say this is they're just going doing too much, going too far. Hopefully. Well, well, some of that might be. I mean, you know, part of it is as we mentioned a minute ago, there was a lot of boiling rage against that. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard people like even francophones who were very opposed to it. There's a in French Canada, there's a strong emphasis on consensus in yes, that culture, right? So it's very, it's not the kind of culture where like if you know if, if you just sort of imagine a stereotypical Christmas dinner at a Quebecois household mm-hmm. somewhere it's not the kind of place where there's it's not like a Jewish household where there's going to be all this arguing and yelling it's mm-hmm. going to be more relaxed discussion if they're going to talk about these political things yes, it's going to yes. be they're going to listen to what Pepe says and then they're going to respond and they're and if they do have an opposite something opposed to the yeah. consensus they're going to keep it to themselves but it will reassert itself in some at some point, I think. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. I think it's interesting observation. Yeah. Like, I was watching this movie called Starbuck, which is a, a story, I think it's from another place, but it was adapted to Montreal and Quebec. And it was about uh, a guy who was a sperm donor who learns that he has 500 kids, even though in his real relationship he doesn't have kids and is, you know, is, he's a loser. So the, it's an interesting <laughs> film to watch because it kind of exposes a lot of what the cultural values of Quebec and so far as look, the guy is incompetent at his job, like criminally incompetent, just he's very bad in life. But, but he's not fired and it doesn't he, matter, but right? He, yeah. He's nice. Yeah. Right. He's nice. Right. In, in French, they call, there's a word for that. You know, the English word is smart, right? Mm-hmm. Smart means intelligent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean kind. Right. But, but they right. use it in French, smat, S-M-A-T-T-E, te mm-hmm. smat toi. Smat. It means you're nice. It doesn't mean you're... So when they take, yeah. they took the word smart and they, and and they, they made it 
Nice. Yeah, wow. So this is that, that's an incredible observation. I've never noticed that in French. That's, yeah. And there's another yeah. thing. That, it, instead of saying nous, they say on. They say on. That means, yeah. and that's like that's one does. So it's like everybody. Yeah. It's like so the cool. passive voice is like this is what one does. It doesn't mean it's like we are doing it. So that to me is another distinction. That so this movie Starbuck. It's like literally, you know, the fantasy of. He's uh, an immigrant speaking French on the island of Montreal. That's like that's that's good for a couple points, right? And he, well, he's not an immigrant, but he's a Polish from a Polish family, and so uh, that that uh, is a big fantasy of the French culture. You know, we got we've got people in Montreal, right? We, we have, haven't lost the island yet, and at the end, you know, and all, of course he's having a lot of babies. Wouldn't it be great yeah, if the yeah, had right, a lot of babies? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and the movie ends yeah. literally freaking ends with him and the fifty kids hugging each other in wow. this math mass hug so it's like <laughs> it's not a james mon movie where you're shooting people and you know you this is it's like, a french language film yeah it's a, yeah okay it, so it's it kind of yeah no no that's that's a really interesting observation there's there's a strong sense family is really important among did you ever watch did you ever watch that show les bougons do you remember that? I know about it. That was a, yeah. that was a it was a story was a family in the East End of Montreal that basically lived their lives kind of on welfare and ripping off every system. They would go around, you know, scamming government programs basically. Mm -hmm. And the, and the word bougon in French, you, have you ever heard that in in, in Quebec? Mm -hmm. Do you know what it means? It it's a word that means bougon is someone who kind of is a scam artist. It's like a kind of a you know, and it's not really a family name, but tell you, in the show, there's like you know, Paul Bougon was the guy's right. name. It was Remy Gillard, you know the actor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. But in that show, there was a very interesting part. Just speaking of this thing about family and bringing in new immigrants, one of the characters was this kid called Mao Mao, right. and he was a little Chinese kid that they had yeah. that was in the family. Yeah, and apparently they found him at the port like he was right. in one of the containers or something and they were down there stealing something or something and it was so it was it's really a touching thing that this is maybe hope for this sort of integration of immigrants in some senses like i really believe that french canadians are not any more xenophobic than um, anglo canadians are i just don't think that's generally true but I do think they have a strong sense of their own community and they have no problem if people come into that, if they really buy into that, if they really, you yeah. know, that, I think that's a, that's, that's something, I mean, the, the Irish uh, adopted, you know, the uh, children who were adopted by, mm -hmm. I think is a good example. There was, sure. And I think maybe that's the message in that Starbucks that they're yeah. like, this guy, his family came from Poland or whatever, but we're really happy to have him. I don't know if that's a fantasy. Yes. I think, yeah. Is that something you think is not realistic or do well, you? No, I, I think the larger you know, question, I think that the French Canadian people have incredible kindness and it's like when you meet them, they're to me, I, I really like the French yeah. Canadian people. They're always freaking nice to me. I, even though me I can be quite obnoxious, you know, <laughs> your points of view on language. Are, and, yeah. yet, and yet <laughs> yeah. the, at the same time, some of their uh, policies are just monstrous. I personally yeah. think some of these laws uh, language laws and sort of basic things that get accepted here are just absolutely unacceptable. So it's like, to me, I think that, you know, we have to differentiate between uh, sort of compassion and kindness and mm, sort of the yeah. cruelty that that can come about. What I'm talking about is more of a social thing, like in, in Bougon with, with this little kid, this little kid's brought into the family and they, they it's, he's one of theirs. They just, they don't even think about it. They think, oh, the kid, they bring him in and they're, they're, and it's and what's interesting about that show is that there that there's there's this moral conundrum all the time 
of ripping off, but you know, but not feeling good about it. There's a kind of, I don't know if that's oh, Catholicism. That right? yeah. yeah. It's a very okay. interesting show. It's really funny. I mean, it's mm -hmm. hilariously funny. It's just a situation comedy basically, but it has a lot of really deep insights about the, the so. French Canadians also have like the, the sort of the Fowler Doe was a, a big, oh, big at great. this, right? So he loved great. to create these characters who were vulgar and, and hilarious, right? That's right. Yeah. And yet yeah. I, I actually interviewed Fowler Doe really? and he, yeah. uh, I asked him, I said, like, I understand you're trying to push this message of Quebec separatism and all this. This is Pierre Falardeau, the great yeah. filmmaker who passed away about Elvis Graton would have been the right. best known oh, character, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a great movie. It's very and he, funny. He dramatized the rebellions of 1837 sure. in some of his films, but yeah. So he was he was basically yeah. obsessed, obsessed separatism. with separatism. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I asked him. I said, "Well, how does this got to do with separatism?" As Elvis Graton is like this funny, endearing guy. He's quite charismatic, and you know, he's supposed to be a bit dumb and being a separatist. I mean, being a federalist. federalist. We're yeah. going to laugh at him for being a federalist being vulgar but he's so endearing that it doesn't make you hate him at all it makes you probably more of a federalist if you if you watch the movie so he didn't really have an answer he didn't have an well, answer he kind of had some answer but it didn't make sense but he sort of conceded yeah. my point you know the guy who played Elvis Graton was there at the same interview so whatever he didn't have an answer either okay so we'll close with um, a positive prediction for the longer term and maybe a bit more of a apprehension for this election uh, and both of us, I think at this point, if I had to bet, I would bet on the CAQ winning probably a majority. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a huge majority. Yeah. But I mean, I think the long term of Quebec, I think we've got some serious problems ahead. We got, uh, it's just, it's just not, it's not, it's just not looking really good for us demographically. And we've, you know, sucked away a lot of, uh, our, our legitimacy in a lot yeah. of ways. So I, I'm really quite um, quite discouraged about the state, state of affairs now. So if there's any good news on the horizon, I'd be happy to celebrate it. Well, one final point on that. Demographics can change very quickly that way. I mean, Israel is a famous case where 30 or 40 years ago that they had very low fertility and they, you know, and everybody was saying, oh my God, with the Palestinians have this really high birth rate. Do you know what the Israeli birth rate is now? 3.8. Do you know how high? That's, that's, pretty uh, good, that's yeah. astonishingly high. Now, most of it is centered among the very heavily religious Jews. So you have perhaps yeah, another problem. Rise. But it just, just, I just want to close on the idea that the culture could see, you know how you mentioned how French Canadians can sh change very quickly. Yes, you could, I, I could imagine, totally imagine in a couple of years, somehow a huge trend raging through the Francophone community of having lots of kids. Like I could just see it be like, oh, it'd be okay. Now, now it's a fun's over with the modernization. We got to get back to, you know, just having lots of kids and, and it'll become this big new cool thing. I could yeah. totally see that. Well, I mean, there's, you there's, know? there's a lot of troubling. <laughs> there's like, they say sperm count is down and there's a whole bunch yeah. of data, which is actually not in Nigeria, of, obviously. Yeah. Right. The, or, or the religious Jews in Israel. It's it, you know, even with low sperm count. I mean, if you just, the, if you just the, want to have lots of kids, you have lots of kids. Yeah. I think there might be, you some have four kids. Major obstacles yeah like i'll go around yeah. and i and my all of my friends none of them have kids it's yeah. just sort of strange all right well you've done your duty then right yeah. <laughs> thanks again christian pleasure. it's always a pleasure. a pleasure yeah thank you for listening to today's guest on the mega blast podcast I've been your host, Jason McDonald. This podcast is brought to you by Arts and Opinion, an online journal, which is also available in the permanent archives of Canada. Visit us online at artsandopinion.com. 